Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Hi, everyone. Before we get on with this episode, just wanted to ask if you can quickly give us a review on any uh, platform that you're listening to this podcast. It would really mean a lot to us and it would do a lot for the show. Thank you. How are you today? I'm okay. I've had better days. (laughs) How about you? like we flip-flopped that was me last week and this week I'm doing okay I actually had a pretty decent week but I hear you on the the hard times yeah yeah have you ever gotten detention been suspended or been expelled um I have gotten detention in the past like I think I want to say maybe three times total um once was an absolute like my my ADHD could be the contributing factor and because yes. I'm a girl and I wasn't bouncing off the walls apparently you know they just thought I was ignoring the teacher instead of like struggling to maintain focus wow yeah that was like the first time I still remember that it was seventh grade science class wow he would make everybody present their science projects and um, he would ask questions randomly. He would pick randomly on students to answer questions to see if they were paying attention or not. I was paying attention, but I just didn't particularly remember that part, and apparently I was, yeah. It was also very humiliating the way he did it. Yeah. 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 Not the nicest teacher. No. 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 Yikes. Mm -hmm. The the ridiculous reasons that they give detentions out is astronomical yeah because I've had detention and for me it was I forgot my math book <laughs> yeah and I cried I'm like a rule follower through and through yeah, same. I'm like a, I, I was a good student and I cried because I knew that telling my mom that I got detention was gonna not that yeah. she'd be like it was crazy angry but I knew she'd be disappointed which mm-hmm. like made me sad and then I remember when I went into the detention room One of the like spec ed assistants that normally like had followed one of our students kind of through our elementary years, years I was like raised in a pretty small town, um, was in that room doing detention that day. And she looked at me and she's like, I'm so disappointed that you're here, Laura. And I was like, I just forgot my math book. Right. Like I didn't even like, it wasn't, it was again, probably an ADHD moment. Like I just forgot to bring it but it was like one of those math books not even like a math textbook because it was like fifth grade it was like one of the math workbooks where like you literally couldn't do the homework that day in class without your math book but like come on you don't have any spare math books literally like really really you can't print me out a copy take a different worksheet make a copy of it something yeah instead I got detention for that so you remove wow yeah. The shame that we instill in students for that is, is, an, is insane. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty nuts. We never like, know the circumstances of, of yeah. yeah, yeah. I only almost got 
suspended once in high school. Oh. Um, I was sent to anger management instead. Oh. So that's as much as I'll say about yeah. that one. <laughs> um, Do you but, feel like that was a beneficial alternative, though? Um, I can't say that the anger management class was at all helpful. Sure. Um, if anything, it pissed me off more. Uh, <laughs> um, actually, anybody who's been to anger management, I think, will echo that statement. Sure. Um, just breathe. Right. Just breathe. Count to 10. Look at someone's earlobe <laughs> when they're making you upset. Um, how about no? Yeah. How about no? Um, yeah. No, it was. And, um, and it's funny. They looked. The reason they made that decision was because they looked at my grades and my track history with high school. And they were like, something about this doesn't make sense. Mm. You're a good kid. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I am a good kid. I had reasons for what. Yeah. For doing what so I did. So maybe I was good for, I was angry for good reason. Oh yeah. I, right. I, and I was, right. I was, it was, um, an yeah. inappropriate touch situation and I handled it the only way a 16 year old with, um, would handle a situation like that in school. So we're saying unsurprisingly that rather than addressing the other student, uh-huh. you got Anger management skill. I'm okay. Yeah, we, I we got anger not. management. No, no, no. Hear this. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> he was in the anger management class too. So they just stuck us in the same anger management class. I'm going to claw my eyeballs out. Yeah. I have, so we've talked, uh, first of all, fuck that. And I'm so sorry that that was your mm-hmm. experience. Second of all, I feel like I were in my work with teens. I've seen so many instances of shit like that, like in the school system where I've had young female students who have been put in really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. situations and been victimized or harassed and the solution has been way inappropriate and totally yeah like minimized right the impact yep 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 yeah like they're just expected to just just deal with it like what are we supposed to do right like uh protect your students anyway right Looking back, I did get mine, but that's as much as I'll share. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so today we wanted to touch on something that you covered in a recent mm-hmm. blog post. Yes. And so I'd love to jump into that with you. Yeah. So my blog post can be found on my website, which I will link to show notes at um, www.reflectiveintentionscounseling.com. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but I will be doing a whole series on not just narcissism, but boundaries and how to communicate them. Um, Just because I've been, you know, when we've talked about this, like TikTok has helped in a capacity, at least raising awareness that, um, you know, women don't have to go through this alone and and not just women, women can be narcissists as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but anybody who is a, uh, survivor of narcissistic abuse or is currently being victimized by a narcissist and doesn't quite know how to leave. Um, that is why I, um, made this, uh, blog post. Okay. So, um, just a few things about, um, the narcissistic cycle of abuse is, um, it looks a little bit different from, and I don't want to minimize the extreme emotional damage and mental cruelty that toxic people can also inflict on their victims. Um, but the narcissistic cycle of abuse is something that is, I think, a lot more insidious and sinister than a person who just 
doesn't know how to control their emotions and chooses to make everyone else responsible for it instead. Sure. Um, that is how I conceptualize the difference between a narcissist and a toxic person is a toxic person sure. is usually acting off of emotions that they don't know how to control and are making everyone else responsible for. Sure. A narcissist is someone who very tactfully, like carefully plans this shit out. And that's what makes yeah. it so much more sinister. I'm so glad that you brought that up because if we're being fully transparent, you and I had previously mm-hmm. tried to record an episode on this and hadn't put... I don't want to say a lot of forethought into it, but we did essentially kind of go into it trying to wing it just given your knowledge and expertise in this and my semi-knowledge. I'm not, it's, I mean, narcissistic abuse is not necessarily a specialty of mine, although I do work with highly traumatized Mm -hmm. individuals. So I have come across like these characteristics. It's just not something that I, as far as like these terms go, it's not something that I've yeah really focused on. And so we ended up kind of like drafting yes. that for a while and we were like we will come back to this another time because it's just such a vast topic like a lot of the things that we cover but it's something that I wanted to be very intentional about yeah. how we covered it and the way that we spoke about it so I'm really glad that you highlighted that difference because yeah. it brings into play kind of that like not all squares are rectangles but all yes. rectangles are squares or whatever yes like, yes yes yes. or yes. whatever the, the maybe I got that backwards but like, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I actually there is a line in my blog post that I literally say um not um not all toxic people are narcissists but every narcissist is toxic yes um so I and yes I, I highly recommend a read I will again link it to the show notes for anybody sure. who wants so, to take a read just to clarify to make sure that I understand and our yeah. audience understands The difference that we're highlighting here between narcissistic abuse and abuse by the hands of like a toxic person is essentially that somebody who's toxic is acting on emotion Mm -hmm. and reactions that are unresolved due to probably like their own trauma or their own complicated history, whereas narcissists are a lot more tactful, Mm -hmm. not tactful. There's a lot more tactic tactic yes. in their approach and manipulation and like intentional it's, manipulation. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Can a toxic person be intentional in how they choose to do the manipulation? Yes. I'm yes. Sure. I've seen that. However, um, it is more often a product of just what they're feeling in the moment, whereas a narcissist very carefully sure. does this. It is absolutely also a product of their own unresolved trauma. Um, we know that anybody with a personality disorder is an individual who has been extremely traumatized and probably just has extreme emotional abuse stemming from very early childhood, sometimes preverbal. Sure. Um, and so that is not, you know, a narcissist is the same thing is they are very very traumatized and hurt individuals but they have discovered that um, it is more beneficial to them to um, manipulate and use these tactics to get their needs met instead of doing what maybe some toxic people are willing to do and work on it how would you say so the question with that right mm-hmm. and yeah, I guess you kind of answered the question in that last sentence there but my question that's also coming up for me as we differentiate here and ju- before we jump into kind of more in depth about narcissistic abuse I'm wondering would you say that somebody who is a narcissist maybe struggles more to be introspective and take accountability versus somebody who's toxic might 
be unaware that their patterns are really unhealthy and actually be yes. open to hearing. I mean, to some degree, mm-hmm. like it might be a slow process, but yeah. open to hearing how they can change and how they can actually better function in relationships to get their needs met. 100%. Okay. Yes. I fully believe that that is the case based on just my experience. Um, sure. It, you know, any other um, professionals who are competent or, you know, expert or whatever level of you know dealing with narcissists can perhaps have a different opinion but my the way I have seen it show up in sessions both treating narcissists and having treated um, survivors of narcissists is that dynamic absolutely okay is that there is no introspection because there's there's you know narcissists inherently if we go by the DSM 5 TR um, inherently they believe how could there be something wrong with me I'm so fantastic you know, right. it couldn't possibly be me, right? There's the delusion. There's these ideas of grandiosity um, that maybe deep down they're they're having to put themselves out there because they are so deeply insecure. But they will never acknowledge that they're deeply insecure to themselves, to or themselves other or other yeah. people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, whereas a toxic person knows that they're insecure, and that is why they're putting up that front. Sure. Um, there is no introspection um, that I have seen sure. with a narcissist. Um, so. Um, there are four stages of the narcissistic cycle of abuse, and it starts with what we know as the love bombing. So this is the idealization stage. Um, this is a stage, um, actually before I go into that, let me just quickly name the other one. So we have idealization slash love bombing. Um, then we have, uh, devalue, then we have discard, and then we have hoovering. Okay. Um, of all of those stages, I actually think um, hoovering is the most dangerous stage. Okay. I will explain that, I think, uh, later in, in depth. Hoovering. hoovering. Yeah, I am very, I'm very curious about yes. that. <laughs> yes. So yeah. let's start with that idealization. So with idealization, this is where a, you know, you meet this seemingly great person and immediately they kind of take you by this world wind romance that you usually see in right. like rom-com like movies sweeping you off your feet literally sweeping you off prince your feet. charming yes prince charming they do everything to a t except that in this stage this is where they really feed off of another person's empathy and make no mistake they seek out people with empathy and certain sure. qualities because what they're looking for is supply to feed off of so this is why you will find you know people who are highly empathic highly sensitive persons um uh you know people who um are driven driven sure find themselves in relationships with these people i it's not an accident i feel like we've heard that term a lot when it comes to discussions online and Mm -hmm. both in in just like society now about like narcissistic supply and I'm wondering if you can just quickly define that for us like what does that yeah. actually mean like having a supply having a supply so remember a narcissist has no ability um you know seemingly no ability to connect with individuals um they don't have very good social skills they don't have a capacity to put themselves in other people's shoes and so oftentimes if you don't have the capacity to do that whether you want to admit it or not you feel very empty and lonely in your life and so because it also feeds this grandiosity and this delusion they have of themselves they can't be with somebody who's quote-unquote average they gotta be with someone who's driven and compassionate Uh, to make them look good 
Okay. And to and also, feel better about and themselves. And feel better about okay. themselves. Yes. Because an empathic person, a driven person, has the means to make them feel good. Right. right? So, oh, yeah, I'm dating this, you know, chick who is, I don't know, a supervisor somewhere and she's in management and that makes me look good. Sure. Um, I'm dating this chick who, you know, is super empathic and so she tells me how great I am. Yes. Okay. That was going to be like yes. my next thought yes. is like, that or like if they're very goal driven that they're talking about like wow how much you've accomplished mm-hmm. and like what are your goals and dreams right. and how can we help you get there and Absolutely. like the, almost like the fixer the type. fixer they sure. always go for the fixer type they also go for the type that they'll be able to talk about these um, either sob stories that they've made up or very valid um, and extremely you know um, real experiences in their in their life where they've been hurt but they will look for someone who's going to be like oh my god that must have been so horrible for you poor you right right and never question hmm that's interesting this has happened to you a couple of times or even think about the possibility that they may have been a factor or a contributing factor to their situations which oftentimes narcissists absolutely are yeah or or like that the story doesn't end there right like if you were the victim of I don't know if, the, if a narcissist claims that they were the victim of like, let's say a violent crime, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're robbed um, at gunpoint. Wow, that's very scary. And oh my gosh, that must be so difficult and traumatic to take that a step further and say like, okay, that must have really deeply impacted you. Right. What have you done to help yourself right. after that? Like to get support. And mm-hmm. I'm imagining that many probably don't because it's all about the sob story for them yes it's all about what happened to me woe is me there is no what's your emotion about it there I'm is, unchanged and I'm just the way that I am and I'm yes, broken and yes gotcha all of that all okay. of that um but the um the narcissist will come during the stage like um like Prince Charming. So they will come on their white horse. They're going to sweep you off your feet. They are going to call you every day, check in during lunch. They are going to buy you flowers. But the thing is, they'll buy you flowers and give you the flowers when you're in the presence of an audience. And I want everybody to take that and pin that in their head because we are going to come back to that a narcissist does things for an audience's benefit and that is really important we will get to well so that's the interesting part like is that and maybe this is jumping ahead a little so please stop me if i am but is that part of like some of that love bombing like they're not just love bombing you but they're also putting on a display for like your friends and family who are also like wow you've met this totally great person and wow this is like the ideal romance and he's just so good to he or she's so good to you I want to clarify that we're not trying to be gendered but generally we see a male female dynamic and usually males are the the perpetrators here absolutely yes and yes you are 100% that is exactly why they're doing it they are not just love bombing you they are love bombing the people around you and that is where I will end how do we differentiate if you don't mind yeah um between like your typical relationship honeymoon period Mm -hmm. and love bombing right like I can imagine a lot of people struggling with that and I don't know if you have the answer but I think it's an important discussion point of like how does one differentiate and kind of tread lightly in these early stages of relationship and deciding between like are things just really good because it's new and exciting or am I being love bombed right love bombing tends to move extremely fast the whole purpose of love bombing is to not give the victim time to think okay um so I want to preface this by saying do you deserve a person to 
give you flowers fuck yeah you do don't get me wrong that honeymoon period is fantastic it is fantastic and yes you do deserve all of those things except that when you are being love bombed and the so to preface I got into this work because I I I am convinced I dated a narcissist early on in my in my um dating experience and um it to to this day um there are still things that this person does to make themselves known that they are still looming and lurking and that's why I know this this was a narcissist so many years later so many years later because it's been like I want to say a decade since we broke up still lurking yeah and and I'll go into that later because that is that is still a stage sure um so love bombing moves quickly love bombing moves quickly and here's the thing people may disagree with me I think there is a strong distinction between a gut feeling and an impulse okay an impulse will have you reacting off of the emotion in the moment a gut feeling is something that your body picks up on that whether or not there is the presence of this event you are still feeling Mm. trust your gut I cannot say that I cannot say that enough your gut is talking to you for a reason yeah let's take basically every woman in America and on earth when you're walking home from work and you feel like somebody is either watching you you feel like you're being followed I think every woman has had this experience it's universal at this point it's disgusting that it is but it's it is what it is you have the hairs raising on your arms even if it's just that random person at the deli who just came up to talk to you and you got all of the ick just thinking that like even in the store if they don't approach you like sometimes there's like somebody who passes by a couple Mm -hmm. times or like they're lingering at one end and you happen to constantly be in the same aisle that there is that gut instinct of like something oh something is not right here exactly exactly trust that versus like oh that's a quinky dink (laughs) right and and a gut feeling is telling you that something is off our body is intelligent our body picks up on things and oftentimes it will pick up on things before your thoughts do how do we know that's true when we all even though our parents told us time and time again don't put your hand on the stove and we did anyway. We didn't put our hand and say, oh, damn, that's hot. And then removed it. We removed it and then said, oh, shit, that's hot. Mm-hmm. Your body picks up on things before your thoughts do. Sure. That's sure. why it's so important to trust your gut. It Yes. Sounds like we're talking also about like, and I, I think mm-hmm. we, we have talked about wanting to do an episode on like trusting your gut yes, and following yes. your like internal compass. But it sounds like we're also differentiating here between like a longer lasting instinctual like pit in your stomach Mm -hmm. feeling versus I I don't know he like made a move too early and you were like oh didn't really appreciate that didn't really like that but you have a conversation about it and Mm -hmm. like that's it after that moment you're no longer like feeling weird about it you're not like uncomfortable around them you're not like it's just like oh whoa I'm not looking to go so fast right they respect that it's not a big deal that's like an instinctual in the moment like mm-hmm. oop that made me a little uncomfortable yes but we resolved it versus like this like time after time there's like this lingering or like after something has occurred it's this like ooh, that just like really didn't sit well with mm-hmm. me and the thing is women were taught to shrink ourselves down to sure. comfort 
egos. And so you may find yourself in this stage thinking like, oh, maybe it's just me being me. Maybe it's um, maybe we're not moving too fast. And I'm just hesitant because I've been in shitty relationships in the past. Listen, yeah. And the start of a relationship is when boundaries are most important. So right. talk about that. Or it feels like the good outweighs the quote unquote negative. Mm-hmm. Like you have this weird gut feeling about something that they said or did. Yes. But should you really weigh that more than right. all these wonderful, big, grandiose yep. things that they're doing for you? It can cause some of that self-doubt of mm-hmm. like, mm, but I, but technically as of right now, there's less cons than there are pros. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So you'll have, again, very grandiose gestures. You will also hear things like, no one is as special as you and no one has ever made me feel like you do. While that may be true. Those are big statements. <laughs> those are huge statements. This is also a person who will tell you, I love you within the week of knowing you. This is a person who will, um, it, let's say you go out with friends and you're still just in the pre-date, like you're in the dating talking phase, um, will get upset at you. Like, I'm just so worried about you. I just don't know who your friends are. I miss you. I miss I you. I be with you. Calling excessively while you're out, not respecting your space yeah. because they are so into you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's no. so, that's so interesting. I'm, this is, I don't think that this person was a narcissist, but I'm going to share yeah. just like a brief personal experience. I remember it was like one of those gut feelings, right? Mm-hmm. It was one of those situations where I was um, away on travel. I had just started seeing somebody new or whatever. And (laughs) we were maybe like a few weeks in. We'd hung Mm -hmm. out a couple times. Like we were getting along okay. They were really nice. Um, I wasn't really feeling like it was anything serious that I really was super like gung-ho about. But I was enjoying their company. And I went away on travel. And while I was away, mind you, I was only away for like a week. But partway through that week, they said something along the lines of like, Oh, I miss you. I, I think I had said like, oh, I think I want to move here. Like, I just love it here yeah. so much. And they were like, oh, you could never do that. Like, what would I do without you? And I was mm-hmm. like, what would you do without me? You've known me for three weeks. Right. Like, I, what? And I think it was actually on that same trip that I like let them know gently. I was like, yeah, I don't think that this is going to work or I won't, right. I'm not interested in continuing when I get back. But it was one of those things where it was like, Ugh. like mm-hmm. I like we don't even know each other all that well right. like we've maybe right. hung out a cumulative like five hours right, <laughs> like, right. I don't, I, so it makes me think of that and I don't think that this person was a narcissist at all yeah. but it makes me think of that type of experience where yes like, absolutely there's literally you're still in such a foundational mm-hmm. like getting to know, know each, each other, other piece and if they're saying things like I don't know anybody like you and it's like well I don't, you don't even really know me exactly exactly yeah. it's a lot of these absolute uh, very extreme sure. statements um you know and and so again do we deserve to be made to feel like yeah. amazing and that we are a priority to someone absolutely but that usually comes with time relationships don't have to be rushed they are something that are built it's relationships right. are cultivated we don't go and be and call our coworker after meeting them for the first day our best friend right a relationship is no different so i think that that's maybe the difference then to kind of like transition us like i'm assuming things get worse from here mm-hmm. right so, much worse so the difference here between like a honeymoon phase and love bombing presumably is in some fashion the honeymoon phase is really fun and exciting and Mm -hmm. new and interesting and you're maybe spending a lot of time together but there's still what we've agreed is like some sort of pace to it that it's kind of you know you're you're going at a pace that feels comfortable Mm -hmm. um but also not that when the honeymoon period ends like suddenly you're in 
argument phase. Right. But that it's more, it can be more of a slow tapering. Yes. Right. That it's like you go from like becoming more comfortable. Now maybe mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know, burping in front of each other. Right. Or you're getting into yes. like little bickerments or spats. Yeah. And, but it's not anything that's like explosive or crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, you're like now at this point where you're both kind of letting your guards down and seeing kind of what's actually at our core and and navigating those pieces of actually getting to know each other whereas it sounds like with love bombing it's this really whirlwind like we're gonna get married in six months Mm -hmm. and move in together and it's gonna be all great and blah 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 and then now and depending on what the next part of the cycle is we like digress into this really probably ugly phase yes Absolutely. So with with a typical, like I would say, a healthy relationship, um, you know, let's say there's still the dynamics of attachment issues or whatever. um, It is still a slow tapering. But with this cycle, you are going literally from one day or one second to another fast, just as fast as you were caught up in the whirlwind romance. That's as fast as they will turn it off. I can imagine that's confusing. And it's so fucking confusing. And they design it that way um, to destabilize because that is the purpose of this is they are destabilizing oh, your mental health right. to create that to confusion. create confusion. So as fast as they have been texting you and as frequent as they've been texting you and telling you how much they love you and how great you are suddenly literally from one day to the next you are no longer you either didn't get that good morning text that you were counting on because again we well it's almost like once you've come to terms with it you're like well okay maybe this really is for real and they really just do love me and i just need to like accept it then it gets the rug gets pulled out from underneath you exactly perfect and this is the devalue stage so suddenly it's no more good morning text no more check-ins during lunch listen can a person get busy? 100%. The difference is a healthy person will let you know, hey, I have a lot going on this week, so I may not be able to be in contact with you as often. Why? Sure. Not because they're asking for your permission, but because they acknowledge that you are a person with feelings and right. they have put in and set an expectation is if they've been doing or, good morning texts for a couple of weeks, then of course you're going to expect it because it's a fucking pattern now. Right. Or if I say hey, I just wanted to check in because I noticed that you're not really saying good morning to me anymore and I, I miss right. that. Like, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Then instead of gaslighting you, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm really sorry about that. Yes. I've been super busy yes. and I didn't want to, you know, it just haven't, it hasn't crossed my mind and I'm really sorry. Like, I hope that you right. can forgive me. That Right. Whereas in this dynamic, I imagine that there's probably lots of like, why are you so needy and why do you need me so much? I can't be always available. That is exactly what happens. That is exactly what happens. So I'm going to read an excerpt from my blog. Um, So what is devalue? So they treated you with the grace of royalty and now you're being treated less than ordinary. So all of the things that they consistently did to reel you in, suddenly that stops without an explanation. A narcissist doesn't care that they hooked you and devalued you. For them, it was part of the game. Mm. Uh, Even if you hold them accountable, they will use these excuses to wiggle themselves out of accountability. I'm just so in love with you. I was so scared of my emotions. Mm. Everything is just moving so fast. Meanwhile, they're the ones who set the pace. Yeah. And you finally came to terms with it and right. were like trying to accept it. And then exactly now they're like pulling yep. back. Yep. So they will not sometimes overtly gaslight you. This was gaslighting that sure. that I just read um, is things are just moving too fast. Sure. OK, um, you're the one who set the pace. Hello. Sure. 
or like shifting like or shifting well I was just really scared of like opening myself up or Mm -hmm. exactly and on the other end of that spectrum they may just say things like why are you so needy and so what if I didn't text you today I was busy why can't you consider my feelings they'll turn it around on them because they're the victim right of course they can't do anything what I do things three times for you and now it's the expectation literally yes exactly um So one thing about the devalue stage as well is remember that audience, um, they took the time to absolutely scope out your friends and your family members. They want to know what your support system looks like so that they can also now start to systematically break that down. Um, I'm going to read another excerpt. So one key thing I make sure to warn my clients about is that the narcissist in this stage will begin to make comments about certain friends you have. Um, They will always have something negative to say about your keeping it real friend. Why? Because your keeps it real friend is the one that's going to smell the bullshit from miles away. And they probably already have. So like first on the hit list. Exactly. Um, And and your keeps it real friend will probably already have identified that they just feel something off about your new beau. They're following their gut feeling. They're following (laughs) their gut feeling. Your keeps it real friend will see the person exactly for what they are. Trust those friends. Bless those friends. Um, and it honestly, and, and now speaking from experience, if it wasn't for my keeping it real roommates, shout out to them, um, I might have still been in the cycle and I might sure. not be talking to you about this today. But my roommates saw it and they smelled it and they were like, mm, yeah, this is not OK. Can a keep it real person also be like a parent or a sibling yes. or just anybody that's like absolutely like a keep it real person absolutely but okay. sure um the narcissist will tell you that they are too controlling of you and that they try to influence you too much they just don't understand your relationship they don't understand your relationship sure. exactly they will use things like that sure um so also during this stage the rage the stonewalling and the insults begin to show sure. um so they'll say things just like you made me so mad that's why i called you a bitch i just want to preface this by saying that under no circumstance toxic or narcissist it does not matter a person does not get to insult you and devalue you simply because they're upset right ever no yeah this this is like basic first grade shit (laughs) basic yeah yeah Um, and yeah and especially again like what we're talking about after this honeymoon period Mm -hmm. in a healthy relationship we're not immediately going from sunshine and rainbows Mm -hmm. to degrading someone right right? or humiliating someone Mm -hmm. to isolating them that in that honeymoon period where we might be getting on each other's nerves more we might feel a little bit more annoyed after the honeymoon period in that tapering um whereas like this is a more abrupt after the love bombing we're suddenly in this place of like now you suddenly hate my family you hate my friends Mm -hmm. you think that I suck like what the hell just happened exactly yeah and again it's just as quickly as they hooked you that's how quickly they will devalue you and then also now we move on to discard um so discard is you're no longer on video chat you know for three hours at a time that started happening with the devaluing stage um you know they used to call you all the time now when you're call when you're consistently calling out the behavior because you're confused um they'll say thing their their explanations are going to be vague Um, you're left feeling just as confused because again they don't have anything to actually tell you Um, at the point of discard the person the narcissist has already found their new supply okay what does that look like like a new coworker, or like I mean I know it can probably be anybody but like what does that 
usually it's a romantic interest. So it's at this point that you will no longer be hearing a lot from the person because they are investing all of their love bombing energies into the new supply. Does that look, I mean, is that like in the form of cheating? Like how does that look look, in like a long-term like? Yeah, it can look like in the form of cheating. Um, It can look in the form of just no emotional involvement. So again, just a clear disconnect from you um, physically uh, or emotionally. And it's usually emotional because remember, they can't give you too much evidence um, because then that would make what you're saying tangible. And they still got to keep the facade up. Right. And finding a new supply isn't always a romantic supply right right that like because narcissistic abuse can happen in yeah in, in all any type areas. of relationship right. and so that could be like a new friend that they've encountered mm-hmm. or a co-worker or yes. now they've gotten closer with their sibling yep. or they're back into that cycle with their sibling or they're like right. in that phase with their yes. Si- like yes 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 okay yeah okay absolutely yep um so with uh, you know, like I said, chances are they've already found a new supply. Remember, narcissists need a constant supply to feel valued and important. They most likely got bored with you. And I want to, again, say that it's not because you're boring if you're sure. going through this right now or have gone through it. It has nothing to do with that. Is remember that because they have already gone through the devaluing stage, they're, narcissists are not stupid. It may seem like that, but they're not stupid. True. They know that you're you're having iffy feelings about them, but they need to maintain that idea of I am fantastic and great. And so the only way they can do that is by starting love bombing with someone else. Sure. And be, right. And so because they've already devalued you and you no longer hold them in this high regard Mm -hmm. you're no longer going to fulfill that exactly but it's a cycle so at what point we'll get to okay so (laughs) we will get to that um so a narcissist does not have the capacity to have deep and meaningful relationships the moment something is hard they shift gears and find someone they can build a faceted relationship with uh so one that's intoxicating as the one that you first felt um the goal is to always keep up the facade they need to feel like they're the knight in shining armor and since they've already devalued you they know that you don't that they know that you know they don't walk on water anymore sure um so this is, and this may, this stage may um, happen for a while. This is why you'll hear of couples breaking up in this cycle and then the person coming back sometimes three months later. Sure. And now is hoovering, which is what I think is one of the most difficult and more sinister of the stages. Sure. Um, and the reason for that is, so think of the Hoover vacuum. Yeah, I was wondering about yes. that. <laughs> I don't know which one came first. I don't know if they the Hoover vacuum and this is where they got the turn they from. Suck you back in, right? <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly what happens. They suck you back in, and they will use that. Remember how we pinned the audience in the yeah. beginning? Yeah. They will start using that audience. Um, chances are that during devalue and discard, um, you either did not feel comfortable telling your family what was going on because you're still trying to figure that shit out yourself, mm-hmm. or get this. Um, your family is still speaking so highly about them that you feel embarrassed or ashamed to say that they're different. Or because they have such surface level relationships outside of the, of these more manipulative types of relationships that they're a do-gooder in their community. They're involved. They're connected that they, and that's where I've seen Mm -hmm. people 
kind of struggle in these types of dynamics or relationships is where their partner is somebody who like is sort of highly regarded like they are somebody who like holds a really high position in the volunteer community or in a nonprofit program Mm -hmm. or is a big brother big big sister advocate for like little kids that like there's that piece of it where it's like well how could you like how could this person possibly be exactly like when you bring it up that there's questioning from other people around you because what they see is somebody who's so wonderful exactly um I'm well I'll let you could I'll let you continue I have more more thoughts but yeah yeah um so yes a hundred percent remember that they have to keep this mask on of who they want to portray themselves to be so that they can receive supply right so this isn't going to be a per a narcissist is they've they it's got to be real bad for them to be very overt um where it's like you know they're not just coming up to you and being like I'm the best thing in the world. That's right. not how they're going to present themselves at right. all. Um, this is, again, very, very careful. Um, and so, you know, piggybacking off what you said is absolutely, um, this is where the audience comes in. The audience will now become the narcissist flying monkeys. <laughs> flying monkeys. I love that. My mom, this is making me think of something that my mom said to me when I first started dating and to my sister when she first started dating. Um But my mom had said something to us as like a forewarning and Mm. it was that because I think I've talked before that my mom is like very into psychology and and whatever. She's like fascinated by humans and how they operate. No, no wonder where I get it from. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I remember her telling me to always be mindful of the what she called like the number one red flag Mm -hmm. that if after an argument, a man shows up to your door with a dozen red roses. Yes. She was like, a dozen red roses, run. Yep. Run for your life. And I remember like as a kid being like, oh, like that seems like a sweet gesture. Like that would be nice. Mm -hmm. And now, not that I've experienced it necessarily, but because of that knowledge that I had early on, I've always been very careful of people who gift give Mm -hmm. after an argument. Yep. It's one thing if we have an argument and like sometimes my husband will like, will bicker or I'll be like grouchy at him and he'll leave to like the gym or something and then he'll come back with like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee and, yeah and then that's like it's almost like like what would you call that like a peace a peace offering yes, yes. like yes. a like a okay I know you're grouchy I know that things are tense but yep. I still love you mm-hmm. like here's this and let's see if we can talk this out now and that's the key right there is He's doing it with the intent of opening a conversation. Right. There will be no conversation. It's like, let's just forgive and forget. Yes. Here's a dozen roses. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that is exactly what they will do. And then even if they do talk about it, they will again find a way to blame the um the argument on you. They right. will tell you, oh, I've just been well, so you just really push my buttons. You really push my buttons. Right. Um absolutely 100 percent that's what happens. So I want to go back to the flying monkeys. Yes. Um the flying monkeys are arguably one of the things that makes this stage and the whole cycle even more confusing is because at this point the narcissist is using the audience that bought into his love or his or her love bombing um for to the advantage. So these are the people that that um, he's still in contact with. 
I just, I, I, I'm trying so hard. I just want them to get back with me. And you'll have either a friend, a family member, or even their friends text or call you and tell you how much they're suffering oh. because you won't give them another chance. And like if you minions. just, minions, literally minions. The term is literally called flying monkeys. I don't know who came up with that, but yes. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, so yes, but that is actually absolutely what's happening. And so you know these people before the narcissist. So you trust them. So you're going to go ahead and try to give the benefit of the doubt because you're having Mm. trusted people come to you and let you know, hey, listen, I really think they're being genuine. And that's what makes this so much more fucked up. Are they always trusted people or could that be like, you got close with their sister yep, and that too. now their sister is like, well, you know, he's really had it tough and he really yes. misses you. And I think, you know, he's really wants to change and yes. mom has been stressing him out. So right. right. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. It's, it'll either be trusted people or their friends who you have either met because they brought you around literally sure. in week two or something. Um, and all of that stuff. Right. Um, so yes, that is absolutely what happens. And, and it's people or like, who will... depending on how long this cycle goes, like if you've been with them for mm-hmm. five, six years, you might have actually gotten close with their family Absolutely. or built relationships Absolutely. with them. Sure. Yep. Okay. So, um, and, and, you know, I preface this by saying like, this is me giving all of this information so that you don't even have to get stuck in another second round of the cycle sure. is for people to identify it immediately and be like, fuck Hopefully this shit, in the I'm love out. bombing phase. Right. Exactly. Right. Hopefully in the love bombing phase, if not the devalue, but please don't let it get to discard or Hoover. Sure. Um, because the Hoovering part is what keeps um, victims stuck in the cycle because it's the time where the narcissist is also now starting to tell you all of the things that you've been waiting to hear. They will be apologetic. At this point, they will take accountability. Sure. Making promises to change. Making promises to change. They'll tell you everything they need to know. They will even tell you that they're in therapy now. Sure. They will tell you that, um, you know, they understand. Yes, I know. They will tell you that they understand where they went wrong and how they're going to fix it. That's why this stage is so fucking dangerous because they will make every single promise under the book and they will tell you how they're going to do it. I am so glad that we're talking about this. There is, I won't share specifics just out of privacy, but there is someone in mind who I've had extensive conversations with. um, And I am, I am seeing an active hoovering phase Mm -hmm. and I have to admittedly say I was doubtful because I I think for me and I'll be transparent here I think I've talked to you about this before I think I mentioned this maybe a little bit on the podcast but I've I'm very anti-pop psychology Mm -hmm. and so I feel like narcissism and narcissistic abuse is one of those things that's been like just blown up and so everybody's like they're a narcissist they're a narcissist and I'm like okay whoa whoa like let's really slow down here and stop Mm -hmm. but I have to admit as we're talking about this there is a certain specific situation that I was doubtful of and I feel bad and I need to go owe somebody an apology (laughs) no you're good you're good um Wow. But but it is, I think it's challenging to hold space for being mindful of like the overuse of these terms, yes. but then actually like seeing it laid out like this and seeing that in play. I mean, I've yeah. certainly seen it in play with some of my clients and had mm-hmm. to talk to them a little bit about the cycle of abuse, not this extensively, um, but it's interesting to hear it laid out like that. And the way that you're framing everything is really clicking a lot of pieces for me. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And th- that's all we can do, yeah. right? Is yeah. Reflect. <laughs> um, so, you know, the brain, and this is 
to to alleviate any shame that anybody may be feeling at this stage of how the fuck could I not see it because they they literally designed it so that you can't this is not your fault this is not on you right the brain does not make the distinction we see this with parents parents are as sad to say often a child's first bully and abuser sure um you see this happening though is the brain does not distinguish between the person who is giving you love being the same person who's taking it away the brain is just looking for that stimulation from wherever it comes from. Sure. So if we are unaware of these dynamics, we're thinking, oh, this was just a rough patch. We can and, get over this. And because they've specifically sought out somebody who is empathetic mm-hmm. and compassionate and probably has a fix-it type personality yep. or is a driven go-getter who a people is pleaser. like, a yep. pe- right, that, that that then plays into this cycle in the sense of like suddenly now you're hearing their sob story and mm-hmm. everything that they're saying and taking accountability is making sense and you're like yeah no that really does make sense maybe I did push your buttons right and, and I really mm-hmm. could have done better to be more careful of like your triggers and where you right. get upset and I right. should be more careful and that it's like that empathetic piece of like oh yeah your dad was an alcoholic and so I understand why mm-hmm. that upset like it goes into that that plays off of their empathy yep absolutely absolutely and so to add on um some some things that so this is what they'll do if they feel like they have the ability to get you back but let's say you listen to your keeping it real friend or you listen to your gut you listen to this podcast you read my blog post and you were like (laughs) no hell no I'm not doing this again and you make it very clear to the narcissist that you are not interested in a relationship oh will hell rear its ugly head sure I'm now going to list off the things that they may do to you Okay. And this is hard. This is why it's also sometimes even more dangerous for victims to leave. Sure. Um, because the narcissists remember that they have a lot of rage on the inside. This is where you hear things like narcissistic rage when you point out the discrepancies in their reporting and you, you know, you point out the discrepancies in their actions and they blow a gasket and they're like, how dare you? All X, Y, Z, all of that bullshit. Um, Hoovering is not always an attempt to win you back. The first thing that they may do is if you make it very clear that you have no interest in resuming a relationship, which you are more than capable of deciding to not do, they will start by trying to sabotage you. Um, So during this, they may slice your tires. They may call your job to get you fired. They may call your friends or family and tell them awful things you said about them in attempts to create a rift. Because if you're alone, remember, if they can't have you, no one else can. Mm -hmm. Um, They will create a rift because they need to make you feel exactly how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. Um, They will take up space. This is actually, interestingly enough, where I, um, my narcissist is still trying to suck me into their cycle. Um, So they will keep tabs on your social media. They will stalk you. They will blow up your phone, not because they want you back. Now, at this point, they're blowing up your phone to say horrible things to you. Right. They will try to seek um, to keep the dynamic 
going, well, even like, if it's just the devalue stage. Keep you, right, to keep you down. To, to keep like, you down. To keep you feeling like, like you can't they move were on. the best that you ever had and you made a big mistake. And and not even that, because remember during, right, during the, during the stage is, yes, they may do that to keep you like you're, you know, to make you question your decision. But when it's become very clear that you're not questioning your decision, what they will shift to is now make keeping you trapped under the thumb of negativity. You're not going to be able to move on because they are going to literally make you feel like shit as much as they can. Right. Right. And that's another part of it. Um, so they will reach out. Um, they'll comment on things on your social media page even after you unfollowed or block them or they will make a different account. They will message you. They will use someone in their family to message you. Sure. Does this ne- include like contacting your friends or your family, yes. like reaching out to yep. people that you're close with to s- say no yeah well that's yes. creating a rift sure yeah absolutely um they will also reach out during old anniversaries just to continue to make it known that they're still around merry christmas merry christmas <laughs> go fuck yourself literally <laughs> literally i will never forget so the most recent time that um uh my uh the narcissist i survived sure. um came around was um the day I want to say maybe two days after my father passed away they messaged me through a different Instagram account um, seemingly as their brother um, and let it and and this is I shit you not what they wrote um my brother was just you know wants you to know that he feels so terrible about what happened um he wanted to go visit your dad and i know that you won't care but he is really sad no condolences no how are you doing nothing it was all about the narcissist and how sad he was and how this is a tough time for him because he spent five years with my dad all of that I am, if there was a camera in this room, I would be jimming it right now. Just like glancing and just giving a blank stare. Because what the fuck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What the fuck? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so now, again, because I do this work, I looked at the message and I genuinely started like laughing. That was, I think, the most comedic relief I got out of my dad passing away because mm-hmm. that was just like, oh, my God, you're so ridiculous. You're still trying this shit. You're still trying this shit 10 years later while you have a whole family. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah. But anyway, um, next they will try to live your life. So sometimes they will show up for family or friend functions because they still have a flying monkey in their employ. This is still my situation, by the way. Sure. One of my family members is their flying monkey. Um, and so while this person, while the flying monkey knows not to message me about this person, the flying monkey has invited him to, uh, family functions because they're so quote unquote friends. Sure. Now I'm not saying that people cannot maintain relationships with an ex from the past if they have, um, made a really close connection while they were still in your life. Not saying that. But that's by Choice. But that's by choice. Right. Yes. Yeah. And usually yeah. they may keep their connection to themselves, like on their own. Like if they want to go out, they will go out. But the sheer audacity of someone knowing that they abuse the shit out of you and to still feel comfortable enough to show up to a space that's supposed to be safe for you, that's a red flag. You mean like at your dad's funeral? 
Yes, this uh, Please person. Please do share. <laughs> yep. This person also came to my dad's funeral. Now, my husband to this day, understandably, is absolutely fucking livid that this person came to my dad's funeral. And I'll tell you why it was even more fucked up that he made that decision. It's because when, um, so my family doesn't even fully know the extent of the abuse that was ensuing. Right. Um, because I just, I chose not to talk about it. It's still something that is just like, it's mind boggling, but now I'm just doing it kind of out of spite where sure. I'm just like, I'm not even going to deign speaking about you yeah. um, because that is what will drive an Like waste your crazy. breath. Yeah. Exactly. I'm doing it now for educational purposes. Yes. Um, but um, so when this person decided to part or discard me, um, they did it through a text message about 15 minutes before I had to go take a big test in for my Italian class. Lovely. Yep. Perfect timing. Um they did not have a conversation with the family about, you know, what that was happening. And so some people might be saying, well, he doesn't have to. I'm going to explain why that it was not the situation in this case. This person was five years older than me. Mm-hmm. And I met him when I was 15. Um. Mm-hmm. And so in my culture, in the Latino um, culture, if you are one someone that young you're coming and to ask for you know permission Mm -hmm. at the very least um it it is an expectation that okay if you're not going to be around anymore that's fine that's your prerogative it's your relationship but uh, maybe have the decency to say hey um, I will no longer be courting your daughter Um, especially because at the time I was now only 20 um and in latino households you are not an adult until after you leave the house and i was still living under my dad's roof um so this person did not even have the decency to go to my dad and say hey not you know dating your daughter i don't even fault him too much for that because i don't really give a shit about that but it was just so interesting that that is the timing of it and also how they utilized my father as being a reason to try to get back in sure and then also coming to the funeral. To say that they cared about him so much. And exactly. Are so not even face him. His exactly. Death. And meanwhile, like you didn't even offer him the respect when you discarded me. Sure. That, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, to add, so you were able to keep in contact with the flying monkey and your employee all of these years because yeah. fine. Um, but you haven't spoken to my dad in over a decade and you were just so heartbroken that you just had to show up. Yeah. And fine. Again, even this, I am like, all right, that's a you thing. Here's where this is. I know that this was an attempt to try to hoover me or make it known that this person was still absolutely wanting to be in my life in some way, shape or form is instead of just paying respects. Right. This person three occasions try to come up and touch me right well I remember if I can speak yeah, to absolutely. it I remember because I was at your dad's funeral um among some of our other close friends who had kind of heard word that you, there mm-hmm. were suspicions that this person might show up um and I recall not only like the way that they came into the space was mm-hmm. very like showy like yes. they didn't just like slip into the back and sit in one of nope. like the back areas and just kind of like dutifully pay their respects it was like they showed up and it was like they tried to hold this like presence in the room as mm-hmm. if they were like somehow still relevant yes and then sat down and I recall watching 
at some point like them going up to you and kind of like hovering but like obviously you weren't paying them any mind um and you had all of us like yeah plus your husband like kind of there rallying around you um but like just hovering weirdly like Mm -hmm. not even like just hovering like as if they like you're just gonna be like wow I'm so glad you're here right like no fuck off guy literally literally (laughs) literally yeah um and it was that piece that's the piece that I was just like yep I'm so this person is absolutely trying to continue to suck me into the cycle is they showed up but if you truly just showed up for my father to pay respects you would not be approaching me and try to make your presence so known yeah that you were there when I'm clearly I have got like tears streaming down my face and of course notice the moment that they picked right when I was most vulnerable and in pain right um what this person forgot because again the grandiosity is real and the delusion is real is this person would use to say things like you know to devalue me like um oh no one's gonna like you with that attitude that you have no one's gonna you know this that and the third um and it was a momentous occasion for me for that person to see I not only am in a happy marriage with this person who was right there front and center mm-hmm. with me and genuinely had a connection with yes. my father, yes. um, but the fucking tribe that I had in you guys where it was literally like, like he, he didn't barricade. get to. It was like a human barricade. It was a human barricade <laughs> and he did yeah. not get to touch me. He did yeah. not. Um, I think I would have thrown hands anyway, but sure. he did not get Someone to would touch have. me. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and, and that was fantastic. And that's why I say do not let go of your sense of community for anyone. Anyone who loves you yeah. will not ask you to give up your sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to note for people who maybe know somebody who's going through this type of relationship, I think it can be hard to Mm -hmm. not put the blame on the victim in the way of like, because sometimes, because it's basically the narcissist speaking through the victim, right? So like the victim will start to isolate and say like, uh, whatever, distance themselves. Mm -hmm. And it makes them look like the, so I'm going to use an example here. Um, There's a, a close relationship that I'm kind of like thrice removed from um and this person in, t- in my mind is very clearly in an abusive relationship and it's really unfortunate and I try to be kind of this voice of reason in the sense that there are other people who are kind of looking at the victim and saying like they're isolating they mm-hmm. don't care about us anymore they're they don't come around anymore they're right. distancing they're like clearly doing these nasty things to us or like mm-hmm. you know whatever and in my head I'm like no that's this other person that's like puppeteering them yes and it's easy to blame the victim in those ways and I think it's important if you know somebody who's going through something like this or if you're kind of if you have an inkling that they're going through this you might need to distance yourself just for Mm -hmm. your own mental health mental health and sanity but if you can try to leave that door open Mm -hmm. for when they're trying to exit Yes. the relationship like allow if you can and if you're open to it allow there to be space for repair absolutely. because they're definitely going to need their community when they try to leave oh absolutely 100 percent. if it was not for my college roommates because this was all happening when I was an undergrad um I I don't know how long it would have taken me to leave yeah. um because this person um was seemingly fantastic to the point that um my parents could not fathom that things and I told my parents some things 
um, of what was like being said when they would see me blowing a gasket on this side of the phone and they would just attribute it to my quote unquote anger problems, not understanding that I was having a reaction to things that were being said on the other side of the phone. Very hurtful and devaluing things um that you know and this was also my first relationship ever so I had no idea what relationships were like and you know I rest in peace dad but my parents did not have the healthiest relationship it was a lot of toxic dynamics that's another piece of that I think is that there's a nativity with Mm -hmm first relationships or first serious relationships or first long-term relationships and especially as we go along and and the relationship I'm not gonna say strengthens in the sense of like it's good but strengthens in the sense of like you become more and more tied to one another Mm -hmm. that like you move in together great now you have a lease that you can't get out of if you need to or you get engaged and now you're married and now you have to go through a divorce which you can't really afford and so you decide not to or your culture doesn't believe in divorce or your religion is against divorce or for whatever reason there's those barriers or you have children and now your values and your beliefs are that you know you need to stay together Mm -hmm. for your kids or you don't want them to grow up in a separated household or that it's or you financially can't support your kids on your own right right or, which right. I see a lot with my my clients is absolutely women who are in relationships that are not serving them not necessarily narcissistic relationships but unfulfilling part, ones but unfulfilling ones where they are like but uh, but how will I leave yes I don't have a job I have too many kids mm-hmm. I can't do this on my own and so there's that like sunk cost fallacy of like right I've invested too much and because they've devalued you so many times, I imagine that that comes into play too of like, maybe they're right. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Because your self-esteem ugly, is on the floor. Too mm-hmm. much of a loser, too stupid, too dumb, too isolated, too this, too that, too that, to attract anybody else. Right, absolutely. They're the best that I can get. I should just be grateful. Exactly. They're, yeah. the, the whole point of all of this cycle is to really create a, um, oh God, sorry, the word isn't coming in English. Um, instability like a lack of balance um, a really confusion and chaos in your head as well so that you question yourself um, throughout the entirety of the cycle and that you are broken down enough so that you can't identify the hoovering and even if you do it just feels more like that last part when they are so angry at you that they'll create up space that also takes a lot of resilience and tenacity to to grit your teeth and not say it's just easier to be with them right it takes a lot so much Mm self-doubt that like you doubt yourself about what's actually happening you doubt yourself about whether it's actually as bad as you think it is you doubt yourself about whether you're making it all up you doubt yourself about whether you should trust them again Mm -hmm. you doubt yourself that you're doubting that you should trust them again right like it creates a real and people oftentimes I think I see people that come into my office just in general who struggle with mental health already doubting themselves right Right. like people are already feeling insecure like they can't trust themselves like they Mm -hmm. can't trust their gut they keep finding themselves in these awful situations or circumstances and they're already feeling insecure and doubtful about their decision or their ability to make decisions and then you have somebody like this who further instills that self-doubt and it's like now I'm doubting that I'm doubting that I'm doubting mm-hmm. that I'm doubting. It's yes. like a never ending vicious cycle. And so then it's like, I really don't know what to believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's like that crazy making. 
Yeah. To put it more into perspective of just how difficult it is to leave a situation like this is, um, so I'm going to explain how I got out of it. And this is why, again, I have to drive home. If a person truly, truly cares about you, they will not ask you to forego your friends. Even if they are not huge fans of your friends, they will not ask you to forego them because at the end of the day, those friends were there before you. It is a big difference if you have like a a spouse or a boyfriend pointing out a toxic friend being like hey I've noticed these dynamics by the way you would have too you're just you know saying it's not that bad um but again there's some there's some evidence and it's maybe singular it's maybe singular it's just that one not the group a little much or like really puts you down it makes I notice when you come home from hanging out with that person that you end up feeling like crap what's that about it makes me sad to see you that way exactly Maybe you should hang out with this friend more frequently. Yes. Right. Like this person's filling you up. Because that person, you come home feeling really good about yourself. Right. That that there's not a complete isolation of exactly. like all of your friends are trash. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I, I, to this day, I have to thank like my old college uh, roommates because then they were at my wedding and they got to see me dance with my husband. Amazing. Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> that brought so much emotion. Um, hmm. To see them witnessing like me being able to dance with my husband who is far from perfect like anybody, right? right? But the times that I have said, hey, this bothers me or hey, I'm having a hard time because I'm very transparent. He knows my attachment style. He knows my trauma. And for him to be able to say, okay, I hear you. Um, Let's work on it. Not what I meant, but I am sorry. Let's work on it was Again, another huge fuck you to this narcissist. Um, And I remember what started um, this conversation is I I was just seen. One of my roommates, um, her name is Melissa. She is also a therapist. Shout out. (laughs) Yep, shout out to (laughs) Melissa. She is also a therapist. um, And my friend Natasha, who is now a social worker, clinical social worker. Um, I remember on two separate occasions, Melissa sat me down first. She was like, Aida... You are crying yourself to sleep every night. And it's not that it bothers me that you're crying and I, you know, I'm hearing it before I go to sleep. It's that it bothers me that you're crying in the first place. Mm -hmm. And she sat me down and she said, I can't tell you what to do. But this cannot be how a relationship is. Mm -hmm. This cannot feel good for you. Um, And that's where she left it. Yeah. Literally the following day, I went to go grab uh, like a 12, like at midnight, um, I went to the diner at the end of um, the block with my friend, with my roommate, Natasha. And she was just like, hey, how's how's everything going? I've been noticing that you're a little, you're a little off, you're a little withdrawn. What's going on? And I let it all out. And all she said was, hmm, do you want to keep doing that? Hmm. I was like, no, I don't think I do. And it was literally the day after that he broke up with me through text. And I was there with my roommate, Stephanie. Mm. And all she said was, hmm. And she's the keeping it real friend. She's <laughs> like, hmm. He broke up with you through text after five years. Yeah. He couldn't even give you the decency to call. And all I said was, you know what? You're fucking right. And I literally responded, you could have called, but mm. okay. Yeah. The way that went off afterwards 
this person texted me that they were going to, you know, hurt themselves, do all sorts of things. And to have my community at the time to be able to help me through that because I knew that I wasn't sure what to do to have them say okay so I guess the step is that you call his parents who he still lives with and let them know that this person made these comments and that they are responsible for him because you are no longer responsible for him breathe the fresh air and I never was exactly and breathe the fresh air and I cannot tell you how invaluable to this day having people who were willing to ride that wave with me yeah. and see me come out of it on the other side was. I th- I want to, first I want to say thank you for sharing your personal experience and yeah. being so vulnerable here on the podcast because I know that that's not an easy thing to share. Um, despite how transparent yeah. and, and whatnot, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think the important message here that we take from that is that... <sighs> That as much as we value our keep it real friends and Stephanie, you go girl. There was a careful moment of kind of planting seeds, Mm -hmm. if you will, right? That if we immediately go to somebody who's in one of these types of relationships, and this is just my opinion, but if we immediately go to that person and say, he's a piece of crap and you need to just leave and I don't know why you tolerate that, Mm -hmm. that there will be this defensiveness and yes. kind of loyalty of but you don't know him like I know him right and you haven't seen all the good things that he does for me yep. and you're just seeing the fact that I'm crying myself to sleep mm-hmm. every night so those responses of I hate seeing you like this yes or speaking to my experience that yes yeah. that it's that's really hard do you want to keep doing that mm-hmm. is is curious and compassionate that it's not yep. accusatory it's not putting him down necessarily it's just noting this doesn't seem like it's happy or like it's beneficial like opening that space without just stampeding all Mm -hmm. over and being like I don't know what you're doing you need to get the fuck out of that relationship right that that elicits that defensiveness and thankfully you were in a place where when Stephanie was like the fuck you were like (laughs) yeah you know what girl you're right yeah you're right what the fuck (laughs) yeah what the hell yeah um and so I think that that's like another piece here is when we're either working with clients or if you know somebody who's in this type of experience to um, be if you're looking to offer support to them um, that it that we have to be careful of how we're approaching that with them both yeah. with compassion and empathy um, but also being curious yeah. rather than just like he sucks get out right right because exactly. then he if you if they go back to that person and say well do you know what my friend said she said that yeah you're not very nice to me then mm-hmm. he's gonna be like, oh, she's just jealous. She exactly. doesn't get it. Yes. She does right yes, that yes, it's yes, gonna yes. immediately be turned yeah, around. So. Absolutely, yeah. And and so that there you have it, folks. That yeah. is the narcissistic cycle of abuse. It is really tough. Um, I'm just gonna read uh, what I wrote at the end of the blog post to kind of conclude. Um, if you've attempted to leave, it's for a reason. Listen to that gut. Contrary to what the abuser is telling you, you do know yourself, you are capable of making difficult decisions, and you do not need to settle for scraps. You deserve better than this. And no, I'm sorry, but unless they do deep therapeutic work, they won't change. Yeah. I want to leave off on a question, actually, about that. Because you've said that you've worked with narcissists. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless they do deep therapeutic work, they will not change. What does that mean and what does that look like? 
I think it means with taking accountability and being transparent. So I don't know. There is apparently a individual on TikTok who is a narcissist in recovery and actively talks about what his tactics have been, what he continues to struggle with, um, what his motivations are. I can't say. Sure. Um, But there has to be a very authentic reflection and a very consistent intention. Sure. Um, Without those two, there is no chance. And more often than not, they don't get there. Right. So I guess that that's kind of where my question came from, right? Not doubting that it's possible, Mm -hmm. but just wanting to frame for people that them coming to you and saying, I'm in therapy now. Right. Is is not necessarily mm -hmm. the end goal, right? right? That I've had clients who have been in these types of relationships and had their partner go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And then after four months are like, I'm healed. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) And then my clients are like, I've been in therapy for four fucking years and I'm not done. Right. Like, (laughs) and and, and no, that's, that's not that we have to compare people's journeys. But that this is, I mean, when we say deep therapeutic work, we're talking about some really deep, ongoing, consistent, hard work, not just I went for three sessions and I'm I'm better now. Right. Exactly. And and that's exactly it. So as a therapist, I just can't find it in me to say that people are never capable of changing. Of course. However, on a very realistic note, the chances of a person with narcissistic personality disorder um, going to therapy and using that time to talk about them and their experience instead of talking about how everyone else is the problem. um, Or engaging the therapist in that dynamic. I don't see it. And I don't think many people have. Right. It's almost the nature of just the, the diagnosis exactly. right which exactly. is and honest, honestly I feel sad for that I yes, feel like it's, I a real, it's sad to mm-hmm. to say that um and I think the question that I always ask people when it comes to things like this and we've talked about this even in relation to even just like toxic people mm-hmm. but if we play with the hypothetical that they could possibly change yeah well, let's just run with that they mm-hmm. could change how long are you willing to tolerate mm-hmm. how they are now Knowing that change is slow no matter who you are, no matter what you're working on, change is slow. How long are you willing to tolerate Mm -hmm. this continued behavior until change occurs? Exactly. And again, that'll be not an overnight process. Right. We can't timestamp that and say in six months they'll be better. Right. In five years they'll be better. So how long are you willing to wait and how are you, how willing are you to sit in the discomfort of not knowing when things will be different? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Thank you again so much for sharing your perspective, sharing your personal experience, sharing your just expertise and knowledge about this topic. I know that you would probably deny that you're an expert, um, but but you do know a lot about this topic and you work very, very closely with people Mm -hmm. who are on both sides of it. And I think that that's really um, wonderful that you offered to share that with us today. And Of of course, as a reminder... I read Aida's blog. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Go give it a read. Go 
save it bookmark it send it to all your pals it's really a good read she adds some awesome humor to it that's really relatable and yeah. uh, makes it a really Thank fun you. A fun read even though it's not a fun topic right yes I try to make it snazzy yes yes <laughs> yes thank you for that yes and if you've made it this far in the episode we really appreciate you listening um again we know that this was a bit of a lengthier episode but it's um when we have these hard-hitting topics, mm-hmm. it's hard to condense it. Condense it. I think it deserves the time that it deserves. So just in light of today's conversation and to kind of reiterate where we've been coming from, we want everyone to know that if you find yourself in a relationship that is violent or unsafe, your experience is valid. And if you or someone you know are in said relationship, you can feel free to call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799 safe or 7233. You can also text START, that's S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends, family, pets, dogs, cousins, aunts, uncles, whoever, everyone everyone is out there, your neighbor, Joe. Um, Leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. Any sort of rating, um, a positive rating, is helpful to the show and helps support the show so that we can continue to offer it to you weekly. Um, If you would like to interact with us on social media, we are at Sincerely2, that's the number two, Imperfect Therapists on Instagram and TikTok. And we'd love to hear from you. You can also shoot us an email, as always. And until next time, Sincerely2, Imperfect Therapists. therapists.